Prairie de Sac, Wisconsin, the Wallersheim Winery, Julie, Celine, thank you for having us out. We are standing in the courtyard, is that fair? I'm gonna learn a lot of wine words today and maybe a few distilling words. Farmers, brewers, hunters, packers, badgers, cheeseheads, neighbors. No matter what name we go by, we are bound together by our roots. These are the people, the stories, and the statriotism from inside Wisconsin. Welcome to Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. So the winery itself and this grounds is old, old, well before you and your families got here. Property was started as a winery in the 1840s. Vineyards were planted here on the hillsides. Wine was made in the cave on the hillside. So there were really three different families here. So the first family was Augustin Harazzi. So he was a Hungarian immigrant. He saw these hillsides overlooking the Wisconsin River and thought it was a great place to grow grapevines. So that's what he did for a couple of years. Julie, it's a little echoey. Hello, where are we? We are in the hillside cave, the first structure built on the property. Literally the first one back in the 1860s, most likely. Yes, 1850s. the back, actually the back portion is hand hewn out of the sandstone. So you can kind of see the, it's chiseled out. And so that first part was for aging wine. And then the middle part of the cave where it's kind of the Jordan arch, we're not quite sure when that part was built, mm. but this later part was built and used as a house for a winter before the regular house was built. What was it about their Hungarian history that made them go, oh yeah, we can do this here? When Augustin Harazzi saw the hillside here overlooking the Wisconsin River, it reminded him of his homeland, you know, with the rivers and, and there is a little bit of a microclimate, keeps it a little bit milder. The hope was, you know, with the great sun exposure, with the hill, steep hillsides, um, that this would be a good place to grow grapes. Then he got to know Wisconsin winters, decided it was pretty cold, and he followed the gold rush on 1849 to look for gold. So wine in America, when everybody thinks of Napa Valley, it actually started in Wisconsin. Yeah. Augustin Harazzi was known for planting the first hops in Wisconsin too. Wine and beer all started sure. from this cat right yeah. here on your <laughs> yeah. property? Wow, I love you people so much. <laughs> and then what happened thereafter? He sold the property to his right-hand man, Peter Kale. Peter Kao was a German family. He built the house, the winery here as a winery. They made wine here for two generations. They, that second generation, they also made brandy to fortify the wine. Probably the uh, first brandy in Wisconsin, let's be honest. That's, was, that's what the records say. Roll. Is yeah. it really? <laughs> 1876. It's their fault it's a, that it <laughs> we are the old fashioned capital of the world. Maybe. Then the third and fourth uh, didn't make wine after the vineyards all froze out. Then the property was just kind of converted to dairy farming. All the wine barrels were sold during prohibition. 1972, my parents bought the property and started it out as a winery again. So there's a tipping point here where your parents in the early 1980s, 83, 84, wanted to bring somebody here to be a winemaker, yes? Must have been a good looking young man, yeah. Julie. Because that's your husband yeah. today, yes? Philippe came over from France, yes? And his job was to be the winemaker. This is your parents' idea, yes? Yep. And yep. then he meets you. Yep, like we say, then the rest is history. And the rest is history, yeah. yeah. Philippe, when you came here in 1984, did you ever think that this would all be yours someday? No, no, actually I didn't even know where Wisconsin was. <laughs> I had to look on a map, growing grape, I couldn't believe. Uh, I, my goal was to go to California and Australia. 
And well, guess what? I ended up here in Madison, Wisconsin. I couldn't believe wine was being made and then I fell in love. With Julie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny story. Everywhere there's history about this, they constantly remind you that you fell in love with the farmer's daughter. Absolutely, all the time. That's and about that, as Wisconsin as it gets, man. You it, fit in perfectly. <laughs> That's okay. I, you know, it, it's a great story. Um, it wasn't easy at the beginning. You know, different culture, different food. And on top of that, we didn't have any money. So it was rough and tough until uh, this little wine came along and that just turned everything around. This is the one that essentially saved the business. Is yes, that fair? Yes, absolutely. 1988, I came up with this wine called Prairie Fumée. It was in a style of a Pinot Grigio, style of a Sauvignon Blanc, and uh, with Midwestern grown grapes. And the concept was something fresh, fruity, light, feminine. In 1989, we released this wine on the market. It got four gold medals and the buzz was out. You know, it helped the state of Wisconsin. It helped to create a Wisconsin wine section in all the stores. It did a lot of good for a lot of people in the wine business. Cheers. So you say cheers? Santé. That too. Uh -huh. That too. Listen, I know that there's a lot of wineries in Wisconsin. Fairly certain this is the only winery where the the original winemaker has a thick French accent. Uh, you got it. You're right. It's the, the French accent and uh, passing on the knowledge to, uh, to Céline, uh, French winemaking, French ability to taste, and she has it. Very proud to have her with me. The future of the business is insured, so I can go and play. So you two are the ones that operate today, but your daughter Celine and her family are obviously here on the grounds. Talk to us about what it means now. This is third generation. That's really fulfilling for us because you know all the hard work that we put into this property over decades you know, knowing that it'll be carried on by the next generation. Celine, good thing you like wine. I do. Because, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it's not for everybody's palate. It's not. But it's in your blood. It is definitely in my blood. It took me all of like 26 years to even drink a beer. Oh? <laughs> That's how much wine is in my blood. <laughs> and now you have a distillery. Talk we about do. when that started. Yeah, that started in 2010. So in 2009, mom and a few other distillers in the state got the laws changed to allow wineries to distill um, because before that, we weren't allowed to do any distillation. And my husband was kind of joking, you know, oh, it'd be really fun, like Wisconsin brandy's great, but a Wisconsin bourbon would be way better, right? Because he grew up drinking bourbon with his family. We were able to expand into some botanical spirits and then a lot of whiskeys. We expanded into another building. I can't wait to see that yeah. building. This is as family as it gets. Absolutely. This is Tom. Tom is married to Celine. The idea of distilling is fairly new here, right? There were some law changes and then you guys really jumped in cannonball style. We began distilling Cocard Brandy, which is our like all Wisconsin take on a cognac. We had our first product release in 2013 at Cocard Brandy, and we basically sold out in about six hours. So the two mile is gonna be, um, well it's 90 proof. Uh, it's got a sweeter profile with a little bit of, little bit of rye backbone um, to give it some spice and some like herbal notes, but it's not too overpowering. The family side of this whole thing is just incredible. As a family and being independently family owned, 
We don't chase trends, you know, we make things we like. That's really the business model. How many different kinds of grapes do you have on the property? We have six different varieties. And then in the spirit of experimentation, just like my grandpa always did, we have a little experimental field where we try in new varieties to see how they would do on our site in comparison to all the other varieties that we've had. What type are we about to sample? This is Marichal Foch. This is one of the first grapevines that uh, worked for my grandpa here. An older variety of uh, French American grapes. What will I experience as we try these? They're super sweet. The skins are a little thicker and there's seeds in the middle. Mm -hmm. Unlike a table grape. They're a lot more intense. Mm-hmm. Does your best-selling wine come from that grape? Our, our Keystone wine, our flagship wine, our Domain Reserve comes from that. We'll actually taste that out of the barrel, you and I later. Out of the barrel? Out of the barrel. Let's go yeah. there. This is the cellar, so we're underground. Three of the walls are underground. The walls are about two feet thick, so it stays cool and humid all year round. How old is this cellar? Uh, this was built in the 1850s, this portion. It took them 10 years to complete this whole building. Shh, we're gonna come so the cool are really quiet. What are we about to taste? We are about to taste Domain Reserve. So it's made with Marichal Foch grapes that we tasted earlier. And this is a really special wine for us. It comes from the first vines that were planted on the hillside. And it's the first vines that my grandparents planted when they came here in the 70s. It's aged in a hybrid barrel of Wisconsin and French oak staves. So I'm gonna pull the bun. Got it. What is the piece called that you are about to serve the wine on? This is called the wine thief. Thief? I'm thieving it out of the barrel, like yeah. That. Stealing. You hold your glass right up next to mine. So the trick is to be the one with the thief, because if you're serving a whole bunch of people, you always get the most wine at the end. <laughs> so what are we experiencing out of the barrel that we wouldn't experience out of the bottle? Right now, this is a lot younger tasting. It doesn't have that really soft, open, silky fruit note yet because it's just it still has to age. I'm gonna finish this. What does it mean to you that now you're the third generation winemaker here? You're not doing it for yourself you're doing it for the next generation you're doing it for the legacy that's you know been left for you and the legacy that you want to leave to the next generation or the next few and so I think for us that's been something really special in our family. That was fun the tour the tastings the scenery and your story. It's awesome. Thank you so much for having us out. It was a blast. Thank you so much for sharing our story. You can have all the signage you want, but somebody along the way is like, uh, ding! Not gonna get chased out here. All right. <laughs> They're a lot more intense. Sweet. <laughs> more than one thing, eh? Mm -hmm. This is the cork. Yep. Right? It's called the bung. The bung? Yeah. Trevor, be a mature adult. You may have to duck. May have to duck? Got it. Really good. <clears throat> Caught me a bit there. Is there a napping pod here by chance? Big fan. Will it shine? <laughs> Woo! Watch your head. There we go. Another great episode of Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Awful punchline, low-hanging fruit, moving on. An amazing time there at Wallershine Winery and Distillery. Getting to meet the family who makes it all happen. If you've never been, you need to go check them out at wallershine.com or follow along on their social media. It's pretty cool. Speaking of fun, we'd love to meet you and share your family's deep-rooted story. Just go and fill out the form, farmandfleet.com slash deeperroots. We will be there, legacy split, as soon as we hear from you. Don't forget, like and comment below, smash subscribe, and on the podcast side, hit five stars. We'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Bye.